and welcome to the Big Talk Small Vertical Podcast. I am Dallin. And I'm Bryce. And today we have no special guests. It's just the pure, uncut Big Talk Small Vertical. <laughs> Week number four. Uh, of course, we have our newsroom and we have our mailbag at the end. Uh, our, our mailbox as of late has been rather empty. Please jump on Twitter. And I realize that we probably have lots of tweets, but uh, I have been saying tweet us at Big Talk Small Vertical when our Twitter handle, I realized the other day, is actually at Big underscore Vertical. Well, people are following the show. They know where to find it. <laughs> but if anybody's tweeted at Big Talk Small Vertical, it hasn't gotten here. So tweeted into a void. <laughs> well, we have the, the, the newsroom, the mailbag, and of course the meat of the podcast today's uh, sandwich, if you will, is a season in review of two of the league's teams. We're going to be discussing uh, Dunk Man Gets Paid and Winning Ain't Toto. We'll go through uh, off-season transactions prior to the, the season beginning this last year, uh, waiver wire ad drops and significant trades, and then kind of just pose a few questions for each team. So without any further ado, we have the mailbag, or the newsroom, sorry. Yes, we do. Uh, we have another trade, two weeks in a row. It's a, it's a pretty hot off-season so far. Um, At least for my team. For your team, yes. For the always busy East Mesa Trading Company. So this week's trade... Oh, 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 a pirate's life for me. We pillage, we plunder, we rifle and loot. Um, I, I do think there was some pillaging going on. As you send Bram's 2021 first round pick and Karis Levert over to the flock in exchange for Brandon's 2021 first round pick. Hey, Krame. Nice rooster. What's his name? Oh, well, this is little Jerry Seinfeld. So, what do you think of the trade? Um, there, there, there's a classic episode of The Twilight Zone called Nightmare at 20,000 Feet in which a gentleman is on an airplane and he looks out the window and he sees a gremlin on the wing and it's running around getting into hijinks and every time he points it out to somebody they look out the window and the gremlin's gone it's like underneath the wing or something it's hiding and then when he looks out on his own he sees the gremlin and then he points it out to somebody else and no gremlin until eventually he like steals a guy's gun which is a weird thing to do on a plane and he shoots the gremlin off and saves the plane and I kind of feel like, like, Karis Levert is this gremlin. Everybody thinks he's good, but he's terrible. And no one else can see that he's terrible but me. And it just, it, it, it baffles me. So you're looking out the wing, the wing and seeing yes, the gremlin? Yes, Karis Levert's the gremlin. Can I, can we run through his ranking sure, per game? Sure, sure. This is, this is per game for his career. Rookie year, 204. This is rookie year. That's fine. Next year, 168. Next year, 177. And then this past season, 168. That's it. 168 is the highest he's ever been ranked. Um, now, sometimes you look at a guy and you say, well, if he just gets the opportunity, he's going to take off, right? So let's look at it per 36. Once again, 204, 296, 243, 287. So it's not as simple as just getting more minutes. Um, he's just terrible. Uh, but he's not just terrible. He's also the most injury-prone player in the NBA. Um, what is that an exaggeration? Or no, is this like, 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 let's, let, let's look at it. Last week we talked about injuries a little bit and how you want your guys to be dependable. I look at about 75 games, I'm happy with. If you got to play 75 games, that's a healthy season. 75 games is 91% of the season. So you're missing one game out of 10. You want to know how many 91% seasons he's had? How many? He's had zero. Oh. So going back, this is as a percentage of the season played because COVID makes it a little different. But this season, he played 63% of the games. Last year, 49 before that, 87. That's his best year. Before that, 70. So zero healthy seasons in four years. But no, you said 87 at one year? 87. That's pretty healthy. It's 82 games a year, though. So he played five more games than. 87% of the games. Oh, percentage. Played. I'm yeah. sorry. 
So if we look back at college, his senior year in college, 39% of the games played. Junior year, 56% of the games played. Six consecutive years of injuries. Over the course of his NBA career, he's only played 67% of the games, two-thirds of the games, which means he's missing a third of the games. Every year. Every year. That's terrible. Yeah. So so we looked at his – The rankings his, you gave, were those based off of the games he did play? Yeah, that was per game, per minute. If you look at the total rankings, which factor in the missed time, this year, 217, previously 263, 158, and 229. Mm. So whether you look at it in terms of games played – or per game or per minute, he's terrible. Mm. Always terrible. But it gets worse because the thing is, people look at him and they say, well, you know, he's, he's a young up-and-coming player. Well, not really. He's going to turn 27 later this month, so he's already in his prime. And I would argue that the, uh, the situation is not getting any better. Let's look at uh, his usage rate. Usage rate is a stat basically it's used to estimate what percentage of a a team's possessions are used by a particular player and that's this is an important stat for Karis LeVert because he's a very usage dependent player the only things he really does are score and get assists and those of us who listen to Josh Lloyd know should know by now what a usage rate is he explains I feel like he explains it every episode some people some people know some people don't but his usage rate, his rookie year, 16.6. Second year, 22.5. 24.0. And this year, 29.5. Which is which really is, high. That's 18th in the NBA. I mean, it's higher than players like Carl Towns. Why is this guy taking more shots than Carl Towns? Oh, in that it's defense, crazy. for years, I feel like Carl Towns has been underutilized in Minnesota. Well, that's fair. But there's, I mean. Yeah. No, um, but that's a good point. CJ McCollum is a guy who has a lower usage rate. There's an 18th in the league. Yeah. Most teams don't have anyone who take well, many teams don't have anyone who takes more than that. And next year he's going to be playing next to Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Um, Kyrie Irving career 29.3% usage rate, which is lower than Karis LeVert's this year. That's crazy. By 0.2. It's yeah, but the idea that Karis LeVert had a, a higher player who's always been terrible is still it's crazy. Kevin Durant 30.1. So if Kevin Durant's using 30% Kyrie's using 30%. Is LeVert using another 30%? And then the other two guys on the quarter just kind of hanging out, never attempting a shot? That 5% each. 5%. They each get to shoot once per quarter. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. And so, so I think, obviously, his, his, his usage will obviously go down next year. And he's a play, like, if, Karis, if, uh, if Robert Covington's usage goes down, it's fine. That's yeah. not what he does. If Ricky Rubio's usage goes down, that's fine. It just means he's passing it more. But Karis LeVert... What else is he doing? And with him, it's not just that he's going to be taking fewer shots. It's that he's not going to be handling the ball. So I'm curious why he's ranked 168. Because when I look at his his per-game stats from this last year, he's got 18.7 points per game, which isn't bad. No, but it's not particularly good either. It's it's it's. I think it's all right. It's fine. Um, steals, 1.2. It's okay. That's okay. But how often can you go on the waiver wire and find a guy who gets you a steal in a three again? Well, I can't find a guy on the waiver wire who gets me 18 points, 1.2 steals, four rebounds, four assists. Is it the percentages then? Is it? Is um, that's it, actually quite interesting. In terms of, and this not oh, only is 40, he a terrible player, 42 percent. Yeah, he's also a terrible fit for Benson's team. If you look at um, his field goal percentage, um, not just in terms of the raw percentage, but when you factor it in with the volume. How does it affect his team? Well, he's getting 42% on 16 attempts a game. That would rank him, in terms of fantasy impact, number 179th in the NBA, which is 10th from the worst. So it's just, the field goal percentage is really cutting into that really ranking. Really bad. And he doesn't even make free throws. And I understand yeah. that the flock doesn't care about that. But if somebody out there is thinking, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna trade for this. 71% on four attempts a game. It's bad. Like, it's just, it's just, he's kind of good at steals, kind of good at assists, and kind of good at points. And the points and assists are going to go away because Kyrie's going to be taking Do you them. think that Kevin Durant and Kyrie make him better in some respects? I don't know. Like, Does Steve Nash make him better? Probably not. I don't think Steve Nash is a very good hire. I think it's a bad idea. Yeah. But I'm I intrigued. Just, I mean, he's a he's a usage dependent guy who's going to see his usage cut. 
he needs 30% of the usage in order to be worthless, ranked number 168 per game, number 217 total. There's just, there's, there's, he's terrible in every way. And yet no one can see the gremlin on the plane but me, I guess. <laughs> and, 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 and the argument for Karis LeVert is that, well, he's good in the bubble. Did you see him in the, the seeding games? Well, let's talk about the seeding games here, Dallin. The seeding games existed for two reasons. One, to make money. Check. Good for everybody involved in making money. And two, to help good teams prep for the playoffs. Get ready for the games that actually matter. That matter. And they have a, a term that they usually use for pointless games that just exist to help the other teams get ready, and that's preseason. So what we have here is four seasons of terrible production, six seasons of injuries, and a hot preseason. Add all that up. You, you, you put I would bump it. I would bump it from a preseason to a summer league environment. Summer league is just as worthless. Like Karis LeVert, if you, put, if, if, you, if you run a team that is actively trying to lose games, as the Nets were, that's why they didn't send their good players, and you're playing against teams that don't care, and Karis LeVert's shooting about a third of your shots, then fine. So here, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. Here's my last question. Uh, Kevin Durant was on the Warriors and played alongside Steph and Clay. Now, I'm not saying Karis is as good as those guys, but is Karis the third best player on the Nets roster? No, I think Spencer Dinwiddie's better. I think he's a better creator. Um, I also think Jared Allen's probably better as well, but yeah. it's a completely different thing. Jared yeah, Allen's not yeah. going to be taken. But if you ask me who do I want running the offense, it's Durant, then it's Kyrie, then it's Dinwiddie, then it's LeBert. Yeah, okay. And, 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 I was just and, thinking if he was like number three on the court, which you're saying he's not, but if he was, it's like Kyrie's played with LeBron and Kevin Love and Durant with Steph and Clay. So I'm thinking Clay and Kevin Love both got their fair share. But, but those Does, are, those is, are there room, actually, is there room for Levert? Those are to get actually his? good players. Like yeah, Levert in any situation because we've seen him with lower usage. He didn't produce. We've seen him with high usage. He didn't produce. If he gets traded to Charlotte and Charlotte's like, oh, he's he's the star we're going to build around. He still sucks because that was Brooklyn's team this year. Mm. Brooklyn's team was, hey, Karis Levert's our guy. Go be the star. And the results were he sucked, and the team wasn't good. Yeah, it just in I don't see any way you could possibly think that he's a good player, except to over except to value an eight-game sample size over a four-year sample size. And to me, that's absolutely crazy. I think that Karis LeVert will actively hurt the flock for as long as he's on the team. And if the flock is wise, that won't be for very long. He's worse than an empty roster spot. I smell a lunch bet between Bryce and Benson brewing as, I, Benson, I, I as offered, Benson listens to I this. offered him Levert versus Troy Brown, and he did not take it. So I don't know why he even did it. The only way that this – He also got a draft pick. He did get a draft pick, um, and that's the only way this works out is if – And think about it this way. Let's say Brandon makes the he, Brandon was a playoff team at the end of the year this mm -hmm. year. If Brandon makes the playoffs again and Brand makes the playoffs, well then I just gave up Karis LeVert for nothing. I mean, I think Karis LeVert's worth nothing. Like I said, I'd rather have an empty roster spot. And I think that if you look at his ranking, that's completely So you'd right. rather take the gamble on Brandon's pick over Bram's pick? I think I would rather have Brandon's pick than Bram's pick. I think Brandon has a shot at making the playoffs. I think Bram is close to a lock. Mm -hmm. And so if you're trying Obviously I agree. If but... you're swapping a coin flip for a sure thing. Yeah. You know. Yep. So, I mean, if you were to ask, if I were to ask you how you think I did on the deal, what would, what, how, would you, how would you respond? That good, huh? Yes, I think it's a very good trade. I was happy all Saturday. Saturday you made the trade, right? Uh, I don't remember. I really don't. I was worried that he would use that pick for something. Useful. I think I made the deal on Sunday. But. I, I was worried that he would use that pick for something useful, but he used it on something totally different. And, and a pick that'll, that can be useful. But if he's thinking that he's going to use that pick to help his team this year, it's going to have far less trade value than Brandon's pick that year. Well, that's two weeks in a row where the East Mesa Trading Company made a deal and uh, picked up a couple picks this year and next year.
moving right along in the rebuild. This is how to rebuild. So, you know, I uh, moving right along. Any other news that you would say needs to be discussed? No, I think we're good. Okay. Well, then the meat of the podcast, uh, Bryce. How how do you see this breaking down? Uh, let's just launch into Lenny Toto. I figure we will um, discuss his. Well, actually, normally I think we would start with the draft, but he made an off-season trade prior to the draft, so we'll start on with that and then get moving. Winning isn't everything. Okay. All right, so he started the year off-season with a trade with uh, you, I believe. Probably. Most people in the off-season probably started their season with a trade with me. Basically, I I believe I I was actually involved in this as well. (laughs) But Josh's end of it was trading away Kyrie Irving and receiving Tim Hardaway Jr., Dennis Smith Jr., and Kyle Lowry. Mm-hmm. That sounds familiar. That does sound familiar. Um, my opinion on that, probably not great. I can understand Josh wanting to move Kyrie because Kyrie's probably not going to be on the next good Josh team. Um but the bulk of the value there comes from Kyle Lowry, who's even older than Kyrie. Who's taking a gamble on Dennis Smith Jr., but I feel like, I mean, now I'm quite confident that he's not it. At the and time, we really didn't know still, but. I was still pretty confident. Like, he's never actually looked like a good NBA player, which is a little bit surprising. I liked him coming out of the draft, but he had had a couple bad years. And I, you know, it's the type of risk that he should take but it should come at the expense of a roster spot, not of a superstar. Got it. Um, so that was, that was his off season. There was another player in that deal. There was, it was, it was uh, a Hardaway. Hardaway and he's, he's a player. He's not worth Kyrie. Um, Kyrie and uh, Hardaway and Lowry. Is that fair value for Kyrie though? No, not even close. Okay. I don't think, I mean, I, I, I agree. Is, I agree. Tim Hardaway's borderline not worth owning. I don't have his stats pulled up. Are you pulling this, that up? This season, he was ranked number 133, and the only categories where he really helps are points and turnovers. And if a guy gets a large percentage of his value from turnovers, I mean, I don't care. The guy can, the mascot doesn't turn the ball over either, and I don't want him on my team. So, Would you rather have Hardaway or Karis LeVert? Empty roster spot. <laughs> Which Josh had one year at a draft when Which he said Josh pass. did draft one year. <laughs> empty roster spot. Um, but moving on to the draft, he actually had a pretty nice draft. I didn't like it at the time, um, but he chose Cam Reddish and Jackson Hayes. You were you were really low on Cam I was Reddish. really low on Cam Reddish. I remember you not liking him at all and me thinking somewhere in the middle. I, I really dislike Cam Reddish, and now it's looking like he might be somewhere in the middle. Um, he's He wasn't actually good this year, but he showed enough promise that I would be excited about him if I were Josh, and he's kind of the player that Josh ought to be owning. Mm-hmm. He started out really struggling, but the last month or so, he came on pretty good. Some of it's off of unsustainably high minutes. I mean, February 22nd, he played 39 minutes. March 9th, he played 40 minutes. That's that's not a reasonable thing, and it's going to bump the the ranking up. But he did some nice things. He's good at steals, which is always nice. It's a nice place to start when you're talking about fantasy value. Um, so I'm looking at Cam Reddish from uh, what's the date on this? January 17th to the end of the season. Um, it is a sampling of 21 games. He averaged 14 and a half points, uh, half a block just over a steal, four rebounds, but 82% from the line and 47% from the field. And that was in 28 minutes a game. That's a big jump for his field goal percentage. He only shot 38% on the season. Yeah. So if he corrects that, that goes a long ways because, you know, correcting your field goal percentage fixes three categories, your points, your threes, and your field goal percentage. Does Cam Reddish get more than 30 minutes a game next year? I think more than 30 is asking a lot. But if you're the Hawks, he might be your second best prospect mm-hmm. behind Trey Young. He's probably not even a prospect. John Collins. 
Uh, well, I think John Collins pretty said he's about he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Yeah. So or at least extension eligible. So I think he's an important part of what they're doing. I don't think they're going to get anyone better than Cam Reddish in the draft this year. And so I do think that he's going to continue to log a lot of minutes. And like I say, he's got even at point five blocks. If you can half a block out of a guard, that's kind of nice. Yeah. So he's got nice defensive stats. He is a pretty good defender in the NBA, and that's the type of thing that keeps you on the court. So I think he's a nice ball player. I, um, I was prob I was too low on him. He's not a, a winner yet. I mean, he finished the season ranked 210. So it's not, you know, maybe too early for a victory lap. But to be a last place team in a dynasty league, you should have a few guys on your roster. Yeah, Cam, that Cam Reddish is exactly the type of player that you should own. Sitting on him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what was his other draft picks? Jackson Hayes uh-huh. was his next one. Another player that I really didn't like, um, and he would end, actually end up going to go on and drop him. February 9th. February 9th, dropped him. So didn't really get any value out of that. We'll we'll talk about that a little bit later on when we get to the drops. But not a lot of value, but he, he was a name, and he did have trade value for a time. So that was his draft. We'll just move into the, uh, the ad drops, of which there are not many. That was okay. one of my big takeaways as I was looking over his season is that he just wasn't very active. He only had three moves mm-hmm. on Yahoo. Now that doesn't take into account the uh, the trade that he had in the offseason. But four moves? Yeah. There are guys who do that in a two-week span and would do it in a one-week span if it were legal. So yeah. some more activity might be valuable. But going over his ad drops, his first one came pretty early on where he drafted Josh Smith and picked up Joe Harris. Uh, he dropped Dennis Smith. Oh, that's what I meant. Dennis Smith. What did I say? I think he said Josh Smith. Josh Smith. Well, that's where's be Josh Smith well. today. Uh, he's in the big three league getting booed by the fans of Detroit. Uh, the Pistons are still paying them. So nothing changed. Nothing's changed. Um, yeah, dropped Dennis Smith, who was a key component to that trade. And he didn't really, if, if he thought that Dennis Smith was, and he dropped him in o- October. So it's not October like he 26th, waited. Yeah. It's not like he made that trade and waited on him. It no, was, he, he waited about a month. If that. If that. Um, and then Joe Harris, which, I don't know, I think Joe Harris is a good ball player. Joe Harris is all right. He's young. He's got some – Better I than – I don't know how much promise he has, though. Like, what's – Better what's, than Dennis Smith, though? Yeah, I think so. If you're going to drop Dennis Smith and fill that roster spot with Joe Harris, it's like, okay, that was a net positive. It is. But what's Joe Harris's upside? Like, you imagine Joe Harris in his absolute prime, he's – a waiver wire guy that you used to stream. Well, let's these. put it this way. We just talked about the Brooklyn Nets for like five minutes, and his name didn't come up. So. His name did not come up. Um, if I were the Nets, I would be happier with Joe Harris than Karis LeVert because he can knock down threes and LeVert can't, and that's more important to surround your stars with. But just another reason why Karis LeVert is not a player worth owning. Um, Fair enough. But moving forward, added Bryn Forbes. I like it. Hmm? I like it. I like that one. Let's hear it. Um, I don't have it pulled up, but I mean, I think Bryn Forbes is just one of those Spursy guards that, you know, it's going to take a bit of time, but I think he's got some potential. You don't? Uh, not really. No. I. It, it just it seems like another low upside guy who Josh should be not owning. So Bryn Forbes uh, per game this last year. In 25 minutes a game, he had 11 points, uh, half a steal, no blocks, one assist, two rebounds, 83% from the field, 2.33s a game, which is kind of nice, but I feel like anybody can do that, uh, 41% from the field. So yeah. Overall ranked 232. Yeah. The only work... Once again, the only place. Can I go back on what I said? You can't. Also, he's twenty-seven. So yeah. like, this is this is prime. I don't see any real age-based growth. He's a low upside guy, and he's you stream him for threes. That's that's really all he is. And so, my opinion, Josh should be shooting for higher upside guys like Cam Reddish, guys who can become stars. And Forbes and Harris just aren't going to do that. They can be useful, um, but they, they just can't be stars. Okay. The next move was something that's definitely worth talking about. He dropped Jackson Hayes on February 9th. And so when we're saying he needs to hold on to high upside guys. I mean, 
I don't mind dropping Jackson Hayes because I don't think Jackson Hayes is good. I think he's got some real flaws to his game. He just doesn't rebound. He doesn't rebound at all. And he doesn't really block shots. And so you're looking at a center who doesn't rebound, doesn't block shots, can't shoot. What does he do? In fantasy, his only real strength at this point is field goal percentage. And I don't really see – on a per-minute basis, he doesn't really block a lot of shots. So I don't see that being corrected. He had a couple nice summer league dunks, though. He had a couple nice summer league dunks. And that actually is what I want to talk about because – Jackson Hayes had a name. He had name value. He had name recognition. He had trade value. And instead of trading him, Josh just dropped him. Um, in fact, he was picked up off waivers by you. Mm, I, I don't know. By me or by Bram? By you. Okay. By, uh, yeah. By I thought you. I did, I, but I traded for him. You, you from picked Bram. him up February 12th. Oh, okay. All right. But is that a player that he could have got a trade for? I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't know what I would have given him. Obviously, something because you dropped that something. I maybe that's. I would have given him that that yeah whatever I dropped, but. But I I think that's the type of thing we we talked about it before with Mikal Bridges where he had Bridges and just kind of dumped him, and people were interested in him. So why not shop him around, even if it's just posting on Groovy? Hey, I'm looking to get rid of Jackson Hayes. Can you get something? That's better than nothing. And if, it, if there's somebody on the waiver wire that you absolutely have to have right now, then go for it. But that wasn't the case. He just dropped Jackson Hayes to move someone off the IR. Mm-hmm. So it was, a, it was a short-term move at the expense of the long-term, and that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, moving forward, drop Reggie Jackson in exchange for Seth Curry, and that was the last ad drop of the year. Reggie Jackson at one point had a lot of trade value. He was a like when he was first come in Detroit, that was, was on, yeah, that was a long time. I think oh, I traded him that year actually. When he was on Ed's team, yeah. Um, but he's really fallen off a cliff. Yeah, he he had injury problems. They were kind of lurking there in Oklahoma City, and then he really came out and robbed him of his talent. Um, and then the last thing that he did was his big trade with you and Benson, uh, where he sent out Kyle Lowry and Fred VanVleet and brought in Jamal Murray. He also got a few draft picks out of that. What were the draft picks? I think he got three draft picks. Do you know what they were? Uh, I, I looked it up. Let's... It was my. It was. Um, I think it was my twenty twenty, Taylor's twenty twenty, and Taylor's twenty twenty one. And these are first rounders. Yeah. Yes, that is correct. It's yep. Valen Taylor's twenty twenty first, and so lottery pick this year, and then. A late pick this year and a late pick next year. Yeah, three first round picks. So that's that's that can be something. The problem is if that's you know Jackson Hayes and he just gets dropped a month later. But I mean, if you're getting rid of Kyle Lowry, he's not going to help you at all. Mm-hmm. Fred VanVleet's probably even too old for his team. Well, and I also think Fred VanVleet probably had his best season for fantasy. Like his his steal rate was unjustifiably high this year, and that drove his value up really high. So. I think he traded both of those guys at the right time. And I think Jamal Murray's a nice piece to get back in. So I think that was a good trade for him. Okay. Just just like dogging on a, on the flock, huh? I'm praising Josh for his forward thinking. <laughs> you got you to trade when the iron's hot. Um, also, at the time I looked at him, I'm like, I don't know, maybe he, he probably could have got more value. But since then, I know Benson's shopped both Lowry and Van Bleed around. And no one's really been willing to pay much. Plus, Jamal Murray's just become a lot better. He looked really good in the playoffs. I, I don't know if that's real or not. But. I think he's taking the next step. I think yeah. Jamal Murray's going to be something that everyone's going to be looking at next year. Um, I'm interested to, to to see what he has to say about being on on winning isn't everything. I just want to win. He just wants to win, Bryce. Well, maybe someday. <laughs> it's gonna take some work, but maybe someday. Um, all right. Do you have any any other notable transactions for Josh? Those are the transactions. Okay. A couple questions. Uh, I'll pose. How does how does winning in Toto improve on uh, in next year? Well, a lot of it depends on the draft. I think that's critical for him. He has two lottery picks and a late pick. He's got three first-round picks this draft. Yeah, and I, I don't like this draft at all. I don't know. I, I don't look at any of these players and think, yeah, he's going to be good. But I'm sure there will be some good players. So if, if you take three 
swings, you can certainly get a hit there. So I think draft is critical. There are a couple guys, like I say, Cam Reddish, if he continues to grow, which I think is very reasonable. I kind of like Miles Bridges. I worry about the defensive stats. Um, but there's just a lot of guys that I think are kind of, like I said, low upside guys. Seth Curry, he's a bench player. You know, Tim Hardaway's fine. Um, Jabari Parker was good this year, but I think that's probably he's just a bench player going forward. Do you do you try to trade Rudy Gay to a contender? Or is a contender will pay me then, yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say I think Andrew Wiggins maybe is good, but I think he probably has more trade value. I actually think of Andrew Wiggins as like the better version of Karis Levert. He does the same things, but he's just better at him. Mm-hmm. Maybe that changes because the situation changes because like Karis Levert is He's going into a really bad situation next year. But I do think he's just kind of better. And there are a lot of playoff teams that want points because that's a category that's pretty hotly contested up there at the top. Um, any other players of note? Nobody really stands out. I think it's just kind of waiting for the draft picks. I will say I was – I think people look at sports teams and they think that the only purpose is to win a title. But I don't know that that's maybe necessarily the only measure of success. I know my mom's a big Diamondbacks fan, and she likes to watch the Diamondbacks. And to her, the Diamondbacks are just kind of a TV show, and the good episodes are the ones where the Diamondbacks win. And so I can understand, to a degree, Josh picking up just quality players like Josh Smith, because it's – or Joe, Joe Harris. Joe Harris. Yes, Joe Harris. <laughs> it just it's, it's more fun to look at your team and see – could play rather than look at your team and see that Jackson Hayes played three minutes and got a rebound. Yeah, that's true. So I get it. It's not how I would manage the team, but if you are of the opinion that winning isn't everything and you're just here to have a good time, then go for it, buddy. Um, and you may have glazed over this, um, but uh, I do wanted to wanted to touch on uh, Sir Parker. I mentioned Jabari Parker. He had a good season this year. He's ranked number 79, but I think that's probably the best of what he's going to do. He's just not a full-time player. Yeah, I mean, he, he really only plays one way. Oh, I just fix my strengths, you know. Like, look at everybody in the league. They don't pay players to play defense, you know. Yeah, that's the problem. He's got, <laughs> he's got great offensive skill, but he doesn't take the game seriously, so he's just not going to get the minutes that he needs to produce. I fear, too, he's the next Boris Diaw. As far as he's weight. not going to hang around. Though. As far as the weight gain, he's not going to hang around because, like, Boris, yeah, you just put him at center and you were fine. Jabari Parker, he's a terrible defender at every position. Well, he doesn't see the purpose in playing defense no, either. That's not how you get paid. No. Also, he's not a great passer. Boris Diaw is a great passer. But so, he had a good year this year. Should he? Should Josh have tried to move him? In your opinion? Probably, but I don't know that people were lining up to pay for him. Yeah. Because it was always like he played because the Hawks had a lot of injuries. Yeah. And if that doesn't happen, then I think he loses his value. So if that's just uh, what kept Josh happy for a few weeks, be happy. Uh, and with that, it concludes our season in review of Winning Isn't Everything. Winning Isn't Everything. Moving on, uh, a little team that has a little name change once a year, always revolving around one Tim Duncan. Dunk man gets paid. They got one either. And another technical foul. And this is when Duncan. Duncan's out of the game. He's thrown Duncan out of the game. So, Trevor. Great season, Trevor. Yeah. Tough break. But great season. Come come get him next year. Um, sorry, I was just trying to pull up something. But... Um, he, let's look at his, he had, he had off, any off-season moves? He did. Prior to the season, he was involved in a four-way trade, which obviously was quite complicated, but his, his end was very simple. He traded Danilo Gallinari and brought in Hassan Whiteside. Okay. Um, with, with that being said, uh, I mean, I think Whiteside had the better year. I think Gallinari does more for you next year than Whiteside does and the year after that, maybe. Whiteside was was phenomenal. Absolutely brilliant this year. Um if you're punting free throw, he's a top ten player. Yeah. That was it was it was actually if you're punting free throw, the best player on his team last year was not LeBron. It wasn't Gobert. 
It wasn't Embiid. It was Hassan Whiteside, um, which is something that would really worry me if I were Trevor because I just I think there's no way he's going to repeat that production. Now maybe he ends up somewhere else where he gets big minutes, but that team was really built around a defensive system that maximizes Hassan Whiteside's strength, and I just don't think that's necessarily going to happen. Um, but Gallinari. Gallinari is good, but he's not particularly what Trevor's looking for. And he's old and he's injury prone. And we couldn't have predicted coronavirus. No, not at all. Like, and it, so, it, so it, if White Side had it stayed there. It makes sense to go for it. I think that Trevor's, because he's got LeBron, who's getting old, and he's got Embiid, who's always an injury risk, I think it makes sense to go for it now. So I think it was a really good trade. Um, didn't work out. That's the problem with with pushing your ships into the table is sometimes sometimes you lose. Yeah. Or sometimes a pandemic sweeps across the world <laughs> and cancels basketball. Yeah. But they're just there in fantasy basketball there are far more ways to lose than win. So we'll see what it looks like going forward. Whiteside can still provide value, but probably not to the degree that he did this season. Hi Big Talk Small Vertical listener listeners. September is Children's Cancer Awareness Month, and Trevor Evans is riding 500 miles in the Great Cycle Challenge to fight kids' cancer. Today is Kick Cancer's Butt Day. Any donation submitted on Wednesday, September 9th, will be matched with by charity sponsors. He's doing this because cancer is the largest killer of children from diseases from disease in the United States. 38 kids die every week. His challenge will be tough but it's nothing compared to what these brave kids face every day of their lives. And as they battle this terrible disease, kids should, kids should be living life, not fighting for it. And so he's taking on this challenge to end childhood cancer and save little lives. Please support him by making a donation through his fundraising page. And that's greatcyclechallenge.com forward slash writers forward slash Trevor Evans forward slash the letter D. Or find the link on his Facebook page or Instagram bio. All funds raised will support Children's Cancer Research Fund to continue their work to develop innovative treatments and find a cure for childhood cancer. Thank you for your support. Now, it should be noted that we recorded this podcast on Wednesday, and I realized that sponsors will not be matching this offer tomorrow when this podcast comes out which is today as you're listening thursday september 10th but i believe that you can still make a donation unmatched and we should do so if we're able so with that being said going back to trevor's team we'll start with the draft um this year he drafted only had one pick drafted zach collins who i know was pretty coveted at the draft mm-hmm. by a couple of teams. I really wanted him. He was very high on my board. You wanted him. The flock wanted him. Trevor got him. Didn't end up hey, Grande. Nice rooster. What's his name? Oh, well, this is little Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> Sorry. Not a problem. <laughs> I don't, I, uh, not, not, not bothered at all. That's right. I think Benson just gets really excited when he hears that. We got to give the people what they want. Um, but he so Zach Collins, people wanted him, got hurt almost right away. Got hurt almost right away. He ended up dropping him November 10th. Yeah. So didn't have him for a long time, didn't really get any value out of him. I think he sat on the waivers until I picked him up during my rebuild process. So not a lot of bites for the Zach Collins wire. Nope, afraid not. Until Jay took him last week. So in our trade. Um, any, um, any other draft picks besides Zach Collins? Oh, that was the extent of the draft. He dropped Kuritz and Noel. Um, Noel was actually pretty good this year, so probably would have been better off just hanging on to Noel. Um, but he, he ended up on a more savvy manager's team. Yes, he did. Less successful this season, but savvier. <laughs> um... So let's go through his uh, waiver wire ad drops then. Kind of just breeze through them, maybe talk, talk about – because he had a lot more than Josh. He had a lot more than Josh. He's a pretty active manager this year, a far cry from 
where he used to be. Mm-hmm. I once had somebody complain that Trevor should be kicked out of the league because he went an entire season without making a single move. I changed my mind. It was not you. It was somebody <laughs> who later kicked himself out of the league. Really? Uh, yes. We'll talk about this off the air. That's fine. That'll be it. <laughs> um, but no, we'll just launch into his ad drops. Okay. First up, added Mo Harkless. His next move was to drop Mo Harkless and add Christian Wood, um, which was a good call. Christian Wood actually looks really good. Mm-hmm. My expectation is that next year, as we're gearing up for the season and people are reading, you know, sleeper articles, that Christian Wood's going to be in pretty much all of them. Yeah, I think that he's the best prospect in Detroit. I think they're going to give him a lot of opportunities to succeed, and he's been good. Yeah, so I, I think he never good. disappointed. You know, he'd go out for one game and kill it. He's, and then, well, he, he's been—he's older than people think. He's older than I thought because this is like his fourth season. Yeah, um, but he's always been good per minute, and it's just been waiting for those minutes. And the minutes came this year, and I think they're gonna keep coming. Okay, is he a good enough basketball player to stay on the court? Fantasy yeah, wise, yeah, we're seeing it. I think so. I think he's as legitimately a good basketball player. I don't know if that matters in Detroit because they're not gonna be trying to win next year, but I think that he's legitimately a good center. Yeah, and I think he's gonna get quite a few years of good production out of Christian Wood. Well, good for you, Trevor, for picking up Christian Wood. It, next year, that may look like one of the best ads of this season. Of this year. Yeah. Um, but his next move, drop Nick Batum, add Nemanja Bielitsa. His next move was to drop Christian Wood. Idiot. Oh, what were you thinking? He's so good. We already told you that. <laughs> Um, and it gets even worse because he dropped Christian Wood so that he could pick up Mario Hazonia. Hey, ben Frederick will tell you he that Mario is very good. The best thing Mario Hazonia ever did was was block for me so that I could get Chris Porzingis in the draft. Mm. Um, moving forward, though, dropped Bielitsa, added Bielitsa, dropped Hazonia, added Alec Burks. Next was his drop of Zach Collins. So that's the end of the draft. Really didn't get anything. His next move was to add Norman Powell. Hey. Norman Powell's a nice ball player. Norman Powell had a a good year. He's always kind of been sort of a middling ball player, but this year he really stepped up. Yeah. Um, I think. He's a promising little Raptor. Well, and he fits into what Toronto does. He's often the fifth best player on the floor. That means that he gets the best. Well, it means you get on the floor. Yeah, it means it means he gets on the floor. It means that he's probably got a poor defender on him. They're a smart team that uses all their players. Um, he was watching the game tonight, and he got a ton of run there at the end. He's an important part of what they do. Um, well, Trevor, good. Trevor good. would go on to trade him. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Well, good on. for you, Trevor. It's a it's a nice nice ad. Yeah. Next up, drop Dwight Powell. Add Kevon Looney. Drop Kevon Looney. Drop I feel like Dwight Powell and Kevin Looney were both a little sought after this year or had some talk. talk. Dwight, Dwight Powell was getting the starting nod in Dallas, wasn't he, next to Chris Stapps? Um, yeah, he's kind of – for a free throw punt team, he's pretty good. He's very efficient. He gets a lot of field goal, um, a lot of field goal percentage. He mostly is just like a pick-and-roll big man who's really good at dunking lobs, and that plays well with Luka Doncic. Yeah, and, it, and with Porzingis creating space, it helps. Yeah. I think Dallas is probably at their best with Porzingis at the five and Dwight Powell on the bench. But Dwight Powell does provide value, particularly to a free throw hunt team. Or really, I don't. He doesn't really shoot enough free throws to cause a lot of damage. So even if you just wanted to use him to stream for a field goal percentage, he does have his uses. Okay. Sorry, you, you can keep going. I didn't... no problem. Um, Drop Bielitsa, added Jalen Brunson, who was. Pretty good for a time. I feel like you say Bill eats it like every three. Drops. It's a lot of the same guys, and everybody has their own guy that they kind of believe in, but they're not convinced by. And I guess with Trevor, it's Bill eats it. Yeah, I have a couple of those. Yeah. Uh, drop Kyle Anderson, who he's held on to for quite some time. Slow mo. Slow mo. I wish he were better. I'm worried that that's the fate of Troy Brown, is slow mo. No, really. But I have hope that he's better. Would you rather have him or Karis LeVert? Slow-mo? Mm-hmm. I'd rather have the empty roster spot. Um, but he dropped slow-mo for Cody Zeller. His next move was to drop Norman Powell. Um, add Chris Boucher. Drop Jalen Brunson. Add Gary Payton the second. 
who's, I believe, a different person than Gary Payton Jr. I could be wrong on that one, though. <laughs> I, sh I should have done some research on that. But he has a Gary Payton II and a Gary Payton Jr. That's interesting. Um, drop Chris Boucher to add Norman Powell again. I think this time it's stuck. Add Gorgie Jang. Drop Cody Zeller. And it's Gorgie? I thought it was Gorgie. I think it's Gorgie. Oh, this whole time I thought it was Gorgie. I think it's Gorgie. Okay. If I see the same letter in a foreign language, I assume it makes the same sound both times, unless it's got like an accent mark or something on it. Uh -huh. Anyway, because I don't know even what language that is. But Gorgie Jang, drop Cody Zeller, pick up Christian Wood again. This time it's stuck. Hey, good job, Trevor. Yeah, You're no you, longer an idiot. Yeah, you fixed your mistake. Drop Gary Payton the second, add Ish Smith, drop Ish Smith, add Monte Morris. Drop Jeff Teague, add Shabazz Napier. Drop Gorgie Jang, add Tristan Thompson. Drop Monte Morris, add Maxi Kleber. Drop Tristan Thompson. Maxi uh, Kleber is a good ball player. Here, yes. and, here and there. I like him. He's useful. He's useful because he can block shots and make threes. Before Chris Stapps, he was the next Dirk. Yeah. No more, though. No more. Um... Next up, draft Shabazz Napier, add Damian Lee, drop Alec Burke, add Marquise Chris, drop Maxi Kleber, add Gary Trent Jr., who actually looked quite good in the bubble. I think Gary Trent Jr. is probably he did. a piece. Um, is he going to be uh, next year's Anthony Simons for you? No. No, I don't think so. I feel like, I feel like Bryce should always pick up a, a, back, a, a reserve point guard in Portland every year. I've only done that one time. It, it one, one time does not make a trend. We'll see. If I'm going to pick up a reserve point guard in Portland, it's going to be Anthony Simons. <laughs> um, next up, added Malik Monk. Drop Gary Trent. Drop Malik Monk. Add Shabazz Napier. Add Gorgie Jang. Drop Gorgie Jang. Add Shaquille Harrison. Drop Shaquille Harrison. Drop Big Shaq. Napier. And then his final move right at the end was to add the Time Lord, Robert Williams. Not a bad ad. No. Um, and when you look at his team, he's got kind of a win-now team, but with Christian Wood and Robert Williams, he's got a couple of guys, a big men who have really significant upside. Yeah. What's the significant up upside with Robert Williams? I said it was a good ad, but honestly, I don't know if I really like him. He drop he blocks a lot of shots. Is that is that it? That's pretty much it. Yeah. That's all his value? Yeah. But it's kind of like, like Mitchell Robinson, but without the minutes. Or it's like I have Duncan Robinson and all he does is hit threes. Yeah, and blocks are more valuable than threes. The blocks are the, the rarest, most desirable category. And so if you can get a block and a half, that pretty much immediately makes you worth owning. Okay. And Robert Williams can get a block and a half in not a lot of minutes. Oh, good for you, Trevor. We'll see. He can also play not very many minutes and not be worth owning. But it does. it gives him upside. And in some ways, I'd almost take him over most of the guys we're going to see going to the lottery this year because he just has so much upside, and I think it's fairly attainable. So if Robert Williams was in a uh, waiver wire and you had the, the, what, the fourth pick? Probably not. It depends. The concern with Williams is like what, the, the center rotation there in Boston. Like, Daniel Tice is actually pretty good. Yeah. Like, he played – Pretty much the entire fourth quarter and entire overtime. Tonight. So is that two weeks in a row we've talked about Noel and Daniel Tice? You brought – wow, well, no, I guess I, I brought him up. The list brought up – You no, brought him up. No, I didn't. No, I brought him up. <laughs> that's who blocks Robert Williams' minutes. Like, I drafted Robert Williams because I believe in him, but I dropped him because Daniel Tice is better and gets more. long-term Um – yeah, no, Trevor Trevor, Trevor makes good ad drops continually each year, I think. Um, so it usually frustrates me because I feel like in this year for with Christian Wood, for example, when he picked him up, I, I, that was somebody I was looking at and a little mad that I didn't pull the tr trigger quicker. And I think that probably happens to a lot of people with Trevor. I, I think Christian was kind of a good deal. Yeah. So good for him. Good, good, good. Maybe I should be making offers instead of talking. Well, um, any other transactions? Of yeah, them? he had a couple other trades that we didn't mention. Okay. But I actually think it was a good call. Gobert is better than Bam. 
Gobert's probably better than Bam's ever going to be, especially when you punt free throw. Gobert's a lot better. Um, and that's what Trevor's doing, and that's how Trevor wants to win. So strengthening his rebounds. His rebounds go way up compared to Bam. Um, blocks as well, field goal percentage as well. The only thing he's really missing out on are the assists. And, you know, I think he can he can stomach that in exchange for all the other good. I think Gobert, he's certainly not as young as Bam. Last week we had Bam on our – I had Bam on my top 14 list, and Gobert I didn't even consider. But Gobert's so much better in the short term, which is, I think, where Trevor's shooting. Yeah. I think, I think it was a good trade. Okay. Take, take that, Flock. I think it was a good trade for the Flock, too. Oh. Every, everybody's a that was a winner? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, maybe. Winner, winner, chicken dinner for the Flock? Is the flock in favor of eating chicken or uh, opposed to eating chicken? I'm sure Benson enjoys a good fried chicken once okay. in a while. Okay. So the flock is Benson, just, just tweet food. at big underscore vertical and let us know if you enjoy good fried chicken. Who doesn't? Um, his, ne- his next trade, January 30th, he traded Norman Powell at a 2021 first for Eric Bledsoe. So basically, he picked a waiver. He picked Eric Bledsoe off the waiver wire. In, I mean, in, his, in essence, but he did give up his, his draft pick, which if Trevor repeats next year, what he did this year, a late draft first rounder for Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, it's. It, I think it's a good trade. Bledsoe's a lot better than Powell, and I like Powell, but I do worry that he's kind of a marginal player that can see his minutes drop. Eric Bledsoe, I think, is a more important part of what Milwaukee does, and obviously he's not really cloaked in glory at this point. Eric Bledsoe's had, again, a tough playoff, but Eric Bledsoe's a nice ball player. Um, I think it was another smart trade. Cool. And then his final trade, he traded Jeremy Lamb and his 2020 first for Evan Fournier. Yeah, and that was with me. I'm looking at it. It it does say that it was to me, so – um, I we had a discussion beforehand, and I couldn't remember if I made that trade or not because I make so many trades. Does that mean that you have like a problem? I probably do. Like, like, like I feel like drinking to the point that you don't remember means you have a drinking problem, and trading to a point where you don't even remember your trades. I'm fine, Bryce. <laughs> um, I get off my back. It's another good. It's another good trade. Lamb. I don't really care about Lamb. Fournier's. Actually, he, Fournier was quite good. He's kind of an every other year type of guy. I like Fournier. He doesn't get enough credit. He's yeah. A, a long People kind of dog on him, but I don't know why. A longtime staple of the Yaming Dynasty, but he was seventy six this year, one hundred and forty five the year before that, sixty two the year before that, one hundred and twenty three the year before that, sixty eight the year before that. What was his worst year? One hundred and forty five. Still better than Karis LeVert? Still better than Karis LeVert. And a bunch of, you know, <laughs> a couple top 60s and a top 70, that's a good player. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I'm just bringing up Karis LeVert's name as much as possible now because of how much damage you've done to him. It's it's, it's The more a, I bring his name up, the maybe the better it is for Benson. The gremlin is destroying the plane. At the end of the episode, they they show that the gremlin had been tinkering with the engine. It would have killed everyone. People need to know about the gremlin. Karis LeVert. Karis LeVert, the friend. Um, any other transactions for that's Dunk the, Man that's gets paid? Of it. I think it was some a couple of really nice ad drops, a couple of really nice trades. This is one of the problems with the, the COVID season is he, like a couple other guys, made moves to win this year and just didn't get the chance. It, I mean, it's unfortunate, but... But, but he's going to... Rudy it. Gobert's still going to be good next year. Eric Bledsoe's still going to be good next year. Evan Fournier, if he maintains his trend, won't be good next year because he's an every-other-year player. But I think it's a good move. I, th- I think it was a really good season. He should be proud of what he accomplished. And, and he, he should be excited for next season. And he and you always got Joel Embiid. Locked on the play. Wow! And look Whoa. at this. Whoa! Embiid going at it with Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, I mean, unless he gets hurt, which – could happen going down the stairs at his house, but that can't happen at any time. That's wasn't it John Wall that got hurt in his house? Yeah, he, he slipped. His, he he slipped in, his, in the shower. Yeah, he slipped yes. or something. It, it happens. Um, but then you know, but so can he repeat the success that he had this year next year? Be be a be a team fighting for a bye week in the playoffs. He's gonna need to stay healthy, but if he stays healthy, then absolutely. 
If he stays healthy, he's about what, as good as anyone. So what happens if LeBron gets hurt and misses the season? The whole season? Playoffs included? Yeah, sure, why not? Like, let's say LeBron's out just like you missed Oladipo for a year or he, – he's. I don't think he's very good. Does Trevor make the playoffs? Probably not. I think the playoff race is going to be hotter than ever next year. I think there are going to be a lot of guys there, but he needs LeBron. Championships, not one, championships. Not two. LeBron, tell us about that. Not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven. I don't know if he's got seven in him, but <laughs> it'd be kind of nice if he got one. Yeah. So I mean, I yeah, I, I I hope the best for Trevor, and I you know if LeBron stays healthy, he's a dangerous team. And with I'm, with my team injured, he was the guy that I was hoping. I'm like, I, I hope Trevor wins the title since I'm not going to this year. Yeah, I mean, it was like somebody who hasn't gotten it before to get it. It's like when the Dallas Mavericks won, you're kind of like, okay, well. I also think he's just a better person than the other people people in the playoffs. Well, who was at the top? Who are, who are we talking Trevor. about? Trevor, um, Taylor. I feel like we tried him as champion. You know, didn't, whatever. Didn't really stick. No. I don't find it very memorable. Yeah. We don't need to repeat that. Always a bridesmaid, never yeah. a bride. Taylor Gohagen. Yeah. Bram, his future is in the future. It's not now. Yeah. And... Brandon, I just don't think was good enough. Yeah. He was good. But not good enough to win. Enough. And then the flock and I were both injured. Yeah. So it just wasn't going to happen. So I think there were... But, you know, that, that's one reason why Brandon did have a shot at it, because... A third of the teams are not really competitive. And for any, for any of you that argue that Tr- Trevor is not better than Taylor, keep in mind that we've only done two ads in our podcast. One was for profit for Taylor, and the other one was to help children battling cancer from Trevor. So shame on Taylor. It's like he's <laughs> not even trying to make a difference. <laughs> um, okay. Well, uh, do we? Do we have anything else to discuss with Trevor's team? No, I think that's it. All right. Moving on to the big talk, small vertical mailbag. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. So today's question comes from Bryce E. Who are some players with a lower usage percentage than Karis LeVert? So we'll go through. So here are a few players who are clearly vastly superior, but still have a lower usage rate. Drew Holiday, Jalen Brown, Jimmy Butler, Jamal Murray, Troy Brown, John ja Morant, CJ McCollum, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Jokic, Kristaps Porzingis, Kemba Walker. He's better than Porzingis and Walker. Pascal Siakam, Brandon Ingram, Jason Tatum. These guys are all using up less usage than Karis LeVert. This is not a sustainable thing. Yeah. Um, I don't really have an answer to today's mailbag question. The, the gremlin is terrible. <laughs> Terrible. He's on the wing. He's on the wing. Anthony Davis, one of the five best players in the world. Lower usage than Karis LeVert. Well, let's hope he does well for Benson. I hope well for Benson's team. I do not. I own the draft picks. What's his name? So um, with that, do we have really anything else that we want to talk about, discuss? We've been in an hour now, so we could probably just end it. That's a wrap. Okay. All right. With that, we will leave you until next time. of House Mavericks, I hereby declare you the next Dirk. Okay, wait, hold on. With all due respect, you, do, you said I was the next Dirk, like, like a moon ago. Oh, f-
that's right, okay. Kristaps, you will be the next Dirk until Luca comes of age. Right, but I'm already the, the go-to knight, right? I'm scoring roughly 20 points of battle. What if uh, maybe both of you are the next Dirk? We do double Dirks. Yeah, it could be double Dirks. It could be triple Dirks. We do triple Dirks. Triple Dirks? Who is the other? I, I think I also told uh, Maxi Kleber that he's the next me. Uh,